You're listening to the City Church Tallahassee podcast. For more information about City Church, please visit us online at citychurchtallahassee.com. Hey, good morning, City Church. Uh, my name is Zach. I am on staff here. Uh, I serve as a groups director. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Um, I hope uh, all, of you got, all of you guys had a great Christmas and a good week after. Uh, but like Kaylee said earlier, we are concluding our regifting series this morning uh, where we, this past month, have been looking at how and what we as Christians are called and what we can re-gift to those who don't know Jesus because of the gospel work in our life. And so as we conclude uh, 2023, the year in this series, uh, this morning we're going to be looking at why, when, and how to re-gift our stories, to re-gift our testimonies as Christians, to re-gift what God has done in your life. Some uh, people call it, you know, evangelism, right? How do we re-gift our stories and be evangelistic? And it's something that we honestly talk a lot about here at City Church. It's something that uh, we strive to do. We encourage everyone who comes to City Church uh, uh, to do. And you may see phrases around the building or uh, in uh, the email newsletters or social media, things like, for the gospel, for the city, a living called, not employed, uh, from our campus for the city to the world. All of these things point to Christians living a life that re-gifts our stories. And, you know, I, I believe and, you know, we believe that being a Christian, a group of Christians as City Church that prioritize evangelism or even just loving and deeply caring for those who don't know Jesus is an essential part of being a disciple of Jesus, right? Loving your neighbor, Caring for their needs, their physical needs, yes. Their emotional needs, yes. Their mental needs, yes. But their spiritual needs come above all those things. And one way we can do that is by inviting them to join the community that we have here at City Church. Hey, come and see what City Church is all about. All of this is a huge part of Christian living. Let me tell you what God has been doing in my life. Let me tell you about the gospel and how it's transformed my life. And throughout the Bible especially the New Testament, we see over and over again, Jesus, uh, his disciples, um, missionaries that pop up throughout the New Testament, encourage people to, hey, come and see. And then there's always a go and tell as well, right? I mean, think about it. All the times in Jesus' ministry, we read about it a lot in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Gospels of, you know, people, you know, hear that Jesus is coming into town, right? So we see the sick, the, the, the people who, who need things, the lost, even just the curious, right? They, they come and see Jesus. They listen to what he is teaching. They watch him perform miracles. Sometimes they even get a free meal, right? Loaf of uh, bread and fish. And they see oh, Jesus and they experience him and they're impacted by him. And nine times out of ten, what is the result afterwards? Something in the form of, and then they went and told all who would listen what they had saw right, what they had seen. Even uh, the Christmas story that we've read about probably this past month or you're familiar with it is a come and see and then go and tell story in and of itself. We're going to start this morning by reading in Luke chapter 2. It's the, the birth narrative. And you'll see what I'm talking about. Luke 2 starting in verse 8. said, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. 
And an angel of the Lord shone before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, hey, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Verse 11, he says, today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angels praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heavens and peace on earth to the people he favors. The angels appeared to the shepherds with this news, right, of a Savior that has come. And tell them, hey, come and see the Savior for yourself. Come and witness Jesus. So what did the shepherds in the field do? Verse 15. Then the angels had left them, returned to heaven, and the shepherds said to one another, hey, let's go. Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And after seeing them, what did they do? So they came and they saw. They reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds were saying to them. Right? They saw with their own eyes what the angels had told them, had proclaimed. A Savior had come. 400 years of silence and waiting. God sends down the Messiah. They go see it. What's their response? They couldn't help but go tell everyone that they came across what they just experienced. I mean, this is a great visual of what it looks like to come and see Jesus and then to go and tell. What does that look like for us? Come and see. Hey, would love for you to come on Sunday mornings. Oh, you have, you have uh, kids? We have an awesome kids ministry. They're going to love it back there. Hey, your middle school, high school would love Wednesday nights. There's awesome. It is awesome. Hey, I'll grab them. I'll swing by the house and I'll, I'll, I'll drive them there. I'll drive them back. Hey, after we're done studying, you should come to salt service with me. You know, effectively saying, hey, I, I want you to come and see the amazing things God is doing. I want you to come and experience where I find my community, where I learn, where I'm encouraged, where I grow. But then it doesn't end there, right? Because there is the go and tell. And a caveat, sometimes you don't do it in that order, right? Because have you ever, you know, hey, invited somebody to come and see, come and see, and they just don't <laughs> for a long time? And we have to trust in the Lord's timing in that. But while we are inviting, hey, come and see, we are also telling, right? Telling of our story, telling of what God is doing. And I think that here at City Church, we do a phenomenal job at the come and see part of this equation, I mean, I really do think we have an amazing, inviting culture. And I would love to encourage us today to follow up with that and be tellers as well, re-gifting our story. And maybe that looks like having follow-up conversations with people that you invited to an event this Christmas, right? Whether it be Christmas on the moon, kids' movie night, students' Christmas party, Christmas Eve service. It's a great time to have follow-up conversations and, hey, how'd you like it? What was your favorite part? Do you have any questions? Can I tell you what my favorite part was? This is what the Lord is teaching me right now. That's all part of regifting our story. And I love throughout how throughout this year, right, this calendar year, we've spent a lot of time in the book of Acts. And we saw example after example 
of Paul and, and many, other, many of the other people in that book take every advantage almost to a fault, right? And, uh, and using every opportunity to re-gift their story with those around them, right? Telling of what Jesus has done in my life, how he's transformed my life and given me a new direction. And we talked about it probably uh, about a month and a half ago. We were looking at Paul, and he's standing in front of the judge, and he's in chains, and uh, the judge is like, hey, you're in jail. Like, do you have a defense, right? Defend yourself. And what does Paul do? Paul re-gifts his story, right? Paul shares his testimony. And we were talking about what testimonies look like and all that. And we kind of mentioned that, like, there are no boring testimonies, if you remember that, that every testimony is powerful because every testimony, every story of God at work in your life started with you dead in sin, destined for hell, and ends with you alive in Christ, on mission, living for him with the promise of eternity in heaven, and there's nothing boring about that, right? And every testimony is powerful, and God uses all of our testimonies for his glory. And because of that, we as Christians are commanded, right? And we should take delight in sharing our stories about what Christ is doing in our life with those who don't know him. And oftentimes it can be hard, right? It can be uncomfortable, maybe iffy, challenging, kind of weird. Like, and I get that. I totally understand that. I feel it too. You know, talking with friends and families and coworkers and classmates and you know, maybe random people that you run into, it can be difficult, but it's necessary. Right? Just because something is hard, just because it's difficult, we shouldn't just fold it up and put it in our back pocket and never do it. It's difficult, but it's necessary. Right? And God commands us to do it. And I think there are a lot of, a lot of different reasons why we should share our faith, why we should re-gift our story. But I kind of boiled it down to two maybe big ones, two 10,000-foot uh, view reasons why we're called to do this, why we're commanded to do this. And the first one is that uh, we love God. And we should strive to keep his commands. In the Great Commission, Matthew 28, Luke 10, 2, go into the harvest. Acts 1, 8, go to the ends of the earth. These are all commands to tell others about Jesus, right? And, and we, just like the shepherds we read about, have experienced this, uh, something incredible. We've experienced a relationship with Jesus, and we want to share that with others because we love God and we want to keep his commands. And that's one of his commands. And the second just broad reason is we love others, right? We love others and we understand the result of unforgiven sin, right? And that right there is why we must have a sense of urgency with, fulfill, with, with doing what we're talking about today. And Pastor Dean says this uh, up here all the time, and we say it a lot because we truly, truly believe it, right? That heaven and hell are real places, right, where real people go. And because of the truth of Scripture, we believe and we know that the wages of sin, the payment for our sin against a holy God is death, eternity apart from God in hell. And that may sound so harsh and unloving, but I'd, I'd ask how much more unloving would it be to know that reality, right? That sin equals death, forgiveness in Christ equals life, and then not tell others. Not tell our loved ones, 
not tell our friends. And this is why. This is what drives us to tell those who don't know Jesus about him and about his work in our life. This is why as Christians we're called to re-gift our stories. And as I've been thinking about this the last uh, week or two, uh, a couple questions just kept on coming into my mind and just popping back up and really helping me think through what does this look like for me practically? How do I think through this? And the three main questions I've just been chewing on a lot and I want to share them with you. Uh, and this hopefully will uh, help us uh, as you reflect on what this looks like in your life. And the first question is, do we see the world with the eyes of Jesus? Right? Do we see those who don't know Jesus and do we have compassion on them? Are our hearts moved by the reality of their spiritual condition? And Jesus gives us a great example of this in Matthew 9 of what it means to look at the world and sin and people that don't know him through his eyes to live missionally minded. In Matthew 9, starting in verse 36, says when he saw the crowd, so he is Jesus. So Jesus saw the crowds. He's standing, he's looking over all of these people and he feels compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected. It says like a sheep without a shepherd. Right in this scene, Jesus is looking out over a sea of people and he feels something, right? He feels compassion. Why? Because of their spiritual condition. They're, they're, they're sheep. They're wandering. They don't have any protection. They have no hope. They have no purpose. They're dejected. They need a shepherd. So then he sees them. He has compassion. And then what's his action step? He looks at his disciples around him. In verse 37, so he, Jesus, said to his disciples. I can just picture them standing up, looking over the sea of people. And he's looking. He's like, hey, the harvest is abundant. Look, the harvest is abundant. But the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his, into his harvest. You know, people we personally know right now are distressed and dejected, just like the people that Jesus looked at in this story. Right? Desperately needing Jesus as their shepherd. And when we see that, that their spiritual state is more important than anything else, will be moved to act. And the second question I've just been thinking about is, well, do we utilize prayer? Right? Because according to verse 38, Jesus tells us to pray. It says, therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. This is one of Jesus' commands in this verse, that we would pray to the Lord of the harvest to raise up laborers, to raise up missionaries, right? For God to stir in the hearts of Christians to go, with the goal of spreading his gospel to the whole world. And what, like, what does this practically look like? Uh, first, it could be praying that God would raise up missionaries to go into the harvest. That we here at City Church would be able to equip more people to go. That God would work in the hearts of people. Maybe the second thing is pray that God would use the missionaries that are already working in the harvest. Pray for them. It's hard. Right? Pray for their ministries. Pray for them on a daily basis. Pray that the seeds they are planting would grow. And then the third is that uh, pray that God would send you into the harvest. Right? That God would give you boldness in sharing in, in your relationships. You wisdom in your conversations. 
and a heart to see people come to know the Lord, that God would spur in your heart names and relationships. Say, man, I need to talk to this person. I need to share my story with this person. And then the third question is, well, then how can I act on this command? Like, what does that look like? How can I act? Who can I re-gift my story to? Because the reality is, like, right here in, in a couple of the other references that I mentioned earlier, like, we are commanded by God to go and to tell, right? So that means wherever God says to go, we go, right? Where, uh, whoever God lays in our heart to share the gospel with, we share, and so that means two things. How can I act this out? Well, a good start is total trust in God's sovereignty, a trust in him, and then a fear of God that is greater than a fear of man. A healthy fear of God that is greater than a fear of man. That's two great things to think about when thinking about how to start to act on this command. And all of the, and, and this, and, you know, kind of what we're talking about, but, you know, the whole wherever he says to go, go, whoever he says to share with, share. That's a hard thing to live out, right? But it's something we should strive to do, something we should work at to do. Because none of us are intended as Christians to just coast through life until we get to heaven, right? That's not what God intends. God doesn't save you from your sins and say, just hang out, and then I'll see you in heaven. No. He saves us from our sins and then says, go, right? He gives us a mission, go and share, and then I'll see you in heaven. Jim Elliott, who was a famous missionary to native groups in Peru and ended up being a martyr for the gospel, he uh, kept a journal, and in one of his journal entries, he was mourning the fact that so few uh, uh, were willing to go into the mission field. And he wrote, he says, our young people are going into other fields because they don't, and he says, quote, feel called to the mission field. And then he says, we don't need a call, we just need a kick in the pants. I, I like that, right? It's kind of convicting. Uh, you know, and basically what he's saying is God is going to send all of his people out in different ways to different places. For some, it means your mission field, your harvest is the workplace. It's the classroom. It's the team. For others, it's being a part of a, we graduate, being a part of a church plant, moving to, for a job, finding a church, being an involved member of that church. Some, it's packing up your bags and going across the world to reach people groups. But ultimately, what he's getting at here is that we all, all of us, all Christians have the responsibility as disciples of Christ to tell, right? To re-gift our stories. And we believe that it really, really matters. It really does matter. And, you know, just kind of reality here, a lot of us, you know, when it was, you know, shuddered when I was like, we're going to be talking about evangelism because it's a hard topic. Like you get goosebumps, like, oh, man, here we go. And I think there are many reasons for that feeling, but I think there is a very fixable one, and that's just where we, we just don't know where to start. Right? Well, yeah, I know, I, you know, I can kind of tell my experience in church, but then how do I do the gospel with that? What do I do first? I'm not really sure. But just like everything in life, sharing the gospel, articulating it, like, and feeling good about it and feeling confident, it takes practice, right? It takes doing it. In theory, it's great. You ever heard that, that phrase, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face? 
It's like our evangelistic strategy, right? It's like, oh, that sounds great. I can't wait for them to ask, tell me how you came to know the Lord at like a work meeting. No, no, it's like it, it, it doesn't work like that. But, you know, we have to do it. We have to practice it. And so the reason I bring that up is because we're going to look at a tool real quick um, that it's a practical tool that, that you can use when thinking about sharing your faith, sharing your story, sharing the gospel. And it's a, it's a practical tool called the Three Circles of Evangelism. It's uh, uh, Pastor Jimmy Scroggins down in South Florida uh, came up with this as, as a way to help people uh, be more confident and feel more comfortable sharing their story, doing what we're commanded. So if you have a pen and paper, I'd love for you uh, to maybe copy down the diagram that will be on the screen as we walk through it. If you don't have paper... Uh, we actually provided scratch paper for you this morning. It's in the seat back in front of you. It's called uh, the giving envelope. Um, and so we can put those to use. We'd love for you to put them to use every week. But no, we can put those to use. You know, remember yourself as an uh, elementary age kid at your grandparents' church. And, you know, they just say, here, draw on this. So we'd love for you to take this. It's yours. And you can copy this on the back of that. Um, but like I said, the three circles of evangelism is, is a visual representation of our lives going from dead in sin to alive in Christ, right? That helps us put our personal testimony in and raises up the gospel. And like I said, I, I've, I've used this before when sharing my story with people. I've written it down on napkins at restaurants. If I find myself in a conversation talking about my faith, like this visual pops in my mind and I work through it as I talk. I know, you know, our SALT students go through this and, and practice this. Our, our uh, uh, students, our middle school, high schoolers, they, one group leader pulled me aside after the service and says, we practice this with our middle school guys group every single week. And we take turns and each person walks through it with their story. Right, because we believe that it matters. So I'm going to walk through it. It'll be on the screen. And uh, this is something that uh, I, I would share with uh, somebody at a coffee or a lunch. And it's just a great way to keep my ADD brain intact, not going off on all these rabbit trails and lifting up the name of, the, of Jesus and the gospel. So um, it would start with something like, hey, I'd love to tell you my story. I'd love to tell you what God's working and doing in my life right now. And... Uh, you know, it, it all stems, my belief and what, what I believe about God all stems from the Bible, right? God's word to us. And the Bible says that God created the heavens and the earth and everything in them, right? We read about that in Genesis 1 and 2. And when he created it, he said it was good and there is a perfect, and he has a perfect design for everything he created. And that includes uh, us, Right? God's perfect design for our lives because he cares about us and cares about our lives. He cares about our personal life. He cares about our friendships, our family, our finances. He cares about our career, our hobbies, everything. And if we live according to God's design, we live in this arena of God's blessing in our life. There's a problem, right? And that problem is that all of us have a tendency for parting against God's design and leaving it. The Bible has a word for that, and that's sin. Right? And all of us sin daily. Like Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's, a, it's an inevitable part of living. And when we depart from God's design, when we sin, we end in a place called brokenness. Right? And we all know what brokenness 
feels like. We've all in this room have experienced brokenness. It could feel like emptiness or rejection, uh, regret, guilt, shame. Romans 1 talks about the brokenness of the world that we live in. And when we, when we find ourselves in this area of brokenness, we do everything we can to try to get out of it, right? We try to fix it. This is where you can, you know, talk about your testimony. Man, I was, do, uh, I was feeling this, so I tried to do this. I tried this relationship. I tried to make more money. I tried to switch careers. I partake, partook in this and this. I watched this. I listened to this. I changed this habit. Because there are many, many things that we try to do to fix and escape the brokenness that we feel being there. Because it hurts. It's not a fun place to be in. But on this side of the gospel, saved, we can look back and say, man, maybe that brokenness was ultimately a good thing. Why? Well, because brokenness brings to our attention the need for a change in our life. And the change that we need doesn't come from the inside. Things that we try to do to get out of it, the change that we need comes from somewhere else. Well, where does it come from? The Bible tells us, right? It all comes down to Scripture. The Bible tells us where that good news comes from. The kind of change that we need comes from the gospel, right? The good news, the story of Jesus, the Son of God coming down to earth. John 1.14 says the word Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us, right? The story of God sending his son, Jesus, to earth. Jesus is here. He never departs from God's design. He never sins, not one time. He stays in that first circle. Regardless of doing that, though, Jesus receives the punishment for our sins. He's given a criminal's death on the cross and was crucified. The Bible says for the sins of the world, my sins, your sins, right? Past, present, and future. And when Jesus is there hanging on the cross, God does this miracle, right? He takes all of the sin and puts it on Jesus and punishes him because sin cannot go unpunished. Jesus receives that punishment and Jesus died and was buried, and three days later, God raises him from the dead. And the Bible says for a few reasons that God, God raised him from the dead because he, needed, he was proving that Jesus was who he said he was and did what he said he was going to do, and also to forgive us, to forgive us of our sins, and start to heal the broken places in our lives, and that's the kind of change that we need right? It doesn't come from the inside. It comes from the gospel itself. So man, that is great news. What do we do with it? How do we respond? Well, the Bible says we need to repent of our sins. So turning from our sins and turning to God and believe, right? Believe the gospel story. Believe that Jesus is the son of God, that his work on the cross did what he said it was going to do. Romans 10.9, and we're going to read more of this in a little bit, but Romans 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It says, if we repent and believe, Jesus comes into our lives, forgives us, gives us a new heart, and begins to fix and heal the broken places in our lives. And then God says we have the opportunity to then recover 
and pursue God's perfect design for our life. Right? Jesus comes in, changes our heart, gives us the Holy Spirit. Sanctification starts to happen. That's a big word for becoming more like Jesus by the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. We start to learn. We worship. We live in community with other believers. Right? You can put in, hey, this is how I'm doing that. This is how I'm recovering and pursuing. I go to an awesome city group. There's the plug right there. Go to a great city group. I'm a part of an amazing women's Bible study that meets, and we're going through this, and, you know, the ladies in it are awesome. And we have I, men's event. We have this men's event. It's so encouraging, right? This is how I'm serving at the church. It really helps me, da-da-da-da-da. Recovering and pursuing where we are. Some, maybe for you it's today, right? Not dwelling or being ashamed of your past, but walking with God and becoming more like Jesus right now. This isn't on there. It's not the official, but I like to add it on there. And then we're called to go, right? As we recover and pursue, we go back into the brokenness, back into a broken world with our story, right? With the story of how the gospel has changed our life, the story of Jesus's work on the cross and what that means for us now, how God has rescued you from this endless cycle of brokenness and has brought you into his family. And so that is basically the three circles of, of evangelism. And I hope that it's a, uh, something that you can use, you can uh, think about, dwell on, and share. Because we're called to re-gift. And, and this is a great tool that we can use to help with that. So let's close this, uh, uh, this time together. And we're going to take the Lord's Supper after. But reading this passage of scripture, and I read one of the verses already, but I wanted to keep on reading is from Romans. It's Romans 10. It says, this is the message of faith that we proclaim. So what is the message that we re-gift? This, right here. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart, and this results in righteousness or right standing, clean before God, without sin, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Meaning like at the end, there's not going to be a trap door. They're not going to pull the rug out and say, eh, you wasted your life. No, you'll not be put to shame. Since there's no distinction between Jew and Greek because the name of the Lord, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right? That is the message of faith that we proclaim. The message of the gospel. Confess and believe. Not confess and believe plus this, plus this, plus this, plus this. No. Confess and believe and you will be, put, and you will be saved. And we can put our trust in that. And we know that God is faithful and is eager to save. Okay? Then verse 14. So this is the message. Repent and believe. Verse 14. How? Okay, he poses a question. How then can they call on him if they have not believed him? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher, without somebody telling them? And how can they tell or preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. People in our lives, friends, neighbors, family, coworkers, teammates, will call on Jesus to save them when they believe that he can. 
And this belief in Christ cannot exist without knowledge about him. And someone hears about Christ only when someone tells them about him. And the message about Christ will not be proclaimed unless someone is sent by God to do so. And we are all sent by God to do so. So let's be a church full of Christians that truly view them, us, uh, us, ourselves, as ambassadors, right? Carrying the greatest news that anyone could ever receive. Let's go and, and re-gift our stories because we want to, we love people, and we're called to, and we love God. So I'm going to pray for us, and then right after, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. And so if you didn't get one of these packets, uh, they're in baskets in the back. This would be a great time to grab one. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. And then we thank you for the gospel and uh, the work that, uh, it has, that you have done in our life through Jesus on the cross in our place. God, I pray that uh, that would really hit us hard and that we couldn't do anything else but share it with those around us because of how impactful it is for us. But I pray that as we uh, uh, are faithful of planting seeds, of sharing our faith, of, of telling people about you, that, that you would, would water and grow those seeds and that we would see fruit come from that. Fruit come from conversations, whether that's someone coming to City Church for the first time, whether that's someone opening up in conversation, whether that's someone coming and trusting you with their life. God, I would pray that we would just be faithful ambassadors. We love you and thank you. You know my prayer. Amen.